I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. Try them before they get you. Today, we're going to be talking about Fatum Betula, which was developed by Bryce Butcher, published also by Bryce Butcher, and was released in 2020 on Steam and Itch.io. Uh, I, ho- I hope that is all the information, because this game doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's a very small game. So, yeah, I apologize if I missed anything. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> The the game is uh, part of what I have learned recently, uh, was a collection of games made inspired by PlayStation 1 era games and released as like a collection of sorts. Uh, I believe on itch is where you can get the the full like package of them. Yeah, that sounds right. And um, I know at least I've heard, uh, LSD Dream Emulator is one of like the main sources of inspiration, but I'm sure there are others. Right, just like weird, unexplainable, uh, at least to an American audience anyway, like <laughs> old PlayStation One games. Yeah, de- LSD Dream Emulator is definitely unexplainable to any to audience. Anyone, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's sort of like the inspiration this takes, and. When you try and categorize this into a genre, the dream emulator genre is probably not too far off in as much as pretty much all of its mechanics are taken from that. Mm-hmm. It's a little it's more interactive because you actually have an inventory and there are like puzzles to solve, which means that the entire experience makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you are moving between zones, which in this instance do have like a logical, enter entrance and exit yeah but uh it It, is it's it's just a first person game where you walk around and interact with things it's non non euclidean yeah (laughs) it is Um, euclidean yeah there you go that's the (laughs) word um but yeah i would describe this uh is kind of like a mix between the stanley parable and lsd dream emulator because essentially what you're doing is just trying to figure out a series of things you can interact with that will lead to different endings. Yeah. Is what you're doing in this game. Yeah, the the source that we pulled this from, uh Blips on Errant Signal, uh referred to this as a collect the endings game. Yeah. Which is strange because I've never heard that term used. I don't know if that is like a common thing or if it's something that he had come up with. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, like your comparison to the Stanley Par- parable is way more apt than anyone who would look at this game would ever think. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, yeah, while it isn't as guided, uh, and, like, the things that you do differently on each playthrough aren't explicitly called out in any way, really, it is a very similar play pattern. You You start the game entirely anew, and you just try and do something different than the last time that you played. Yeah. Uh, and got, I don't know where to begin. Here's where I know I want to, though, okay. which is what did you do first and how long did your first playthrough last before you decided to actually go back and end it? Uh, so the first thing I did was follow the left-hand rule. Of course. Uh, after I got out of the tree sanctuary or wherever you start in, uh, 
And I, I went into the cabin and found the skeleton in the basement. And that was just like something eating at me in the back of my mind. Yeah. For the whole playthrough until I figured out like what to do with him i never figured out how to kill him i tried everything that i could think of yeah i couldn't think of anything either i looked it up okay. and what you have to do is there's a gold carp or whatever kind of fish there are uh in the lake that you can catch in like one corner with the fish i'm pretty pole. sure they're ps1 fish yeah they're ps1 fish yeah and you catch the gold one and you feed it to him and it kills him okay that's interesting yep because I tried, obviously, hitting him with the machete. Yeah. I tried feeding him the poison. Mm-hmm. I tried feeding him the fruit that kills the beast. Uh, I never tried catching a fish and feeding it to yeah, him. Yeah, and it, when you go down the well and you talk to the guy in there, uh, he tells you he needs the skull of an immortal. So I kept trying to, like, cut his head off. Right. Yeah, but no, that consumed me for a while. Like, I kept coming back. <laughs> to that guy and could never figure out what to do but um i'm trying to think of what the first e- ending i got was because i did fuck around for a really long time majority of my playthrough is the first was my first run through because uh, i was just trying to do everything that i could um i think i it was the beast blood was okay. my first one I'm, I'm not entirely sure i could go back and check my steam achievements to figure it out but i actually don't know that i ever just did beast blood i know the first one that i did um i had a very similar experience except i i didn't realize that the 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 fall area was there like the, oh yeah the area with the cabin uh on my first playthrough at all oh, so really yeah like i just never went there i didn't see it i i think i thought it was where i came from uh and i, guess I that went makes sense. straight forward across the bridge mm-hmm. so the first thing i did was like almost the very first thing that happened was i i went to nightmare mode <laughs> like i went across the bridge oh you picked fell up the machete in the... yeah went across the the weird like uh plants on the lake into the house and interact with the bed. Cause at the time I was just interacting with everything. It wasn't like a direct path or anything. Like I went through the first area and across the bridge and into the first room that I found. And I went to the machete and I went to that little area off on the left and I was fucking around trying to like hit the fish with the machete and moving around. And then I went up and then across and then I tried to interact with the painting and I tried to interact with the plant, and then I tried to interact with the bed, and then shit went to hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was very confusing, because you can't leave once you do that. So I spent a lot of time with that, like, horrible backwards music, like, just running around seeing what was new. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it's very strange. Uh, but it, as it as it turns out, the first ending that I actually ended up getting was the... Uh, the parasite ending because I ended the nightmare cut the rope for the boat and got the fishing rod Mm -hmm. and then got a fish and fed it to the cat. Right. Yeah. And he gives you oil. Right. So that was, that was my first ending, but I had no fucking idea what was going on (laughs) at the time. Yeah. Like the first one, I looked at my steam achievements and it says the first one there is uh, nothing to worry about. And I don't remember which one that is. It might be poison. It's the poison okay, one. Okay, so yeah. that was my first one. Yeah, okay, that was 
I think third for me. I don't really remember. Um, I know that the best ending that I got was, uh, oh, stop listening to this if you are going to play <laughs> this game. Uh, almost all of the fun in this game is through experimentation. Yeah. Uh, the endings themselves are pretty, like, chill and not, like, they don't do much for you. Yeah. They're just there mostly for, like, flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, like, this is not a game that you want to know how to do everything. I That would just yeah. rob. It would make it no fun. Yeah. Uh, which it's really difficult to speak critically about this game because like the goals that it's going for, it kind of accomplishes them entirely, mm-hmm. but whether those goals are ones that you actually yeah. want to pursue. It's very experimental. Like you don't want to go into this with the mindset of like playing a retail, like yes. uh, a regular retail game. But my favorite ending to continue now, uh, by far, was the the faith ending, which is where you get the wine. Yeah, because it, it's just because the ending is so evocative and good. the The last lines of it are like, "Death was not invited, but he showed up anyway." <laughs> yeah, and it's like this sequence of like images where it's like a uh, a uh, uh, people in a park in a city playing in fast forward and then when it cuts to the buddy came anyway line it's just like a single car on an empty street in black and white just really good it reminds me of the uh the end credits for metal gear solid 2 when it's just showing city scenes Mm -hmm. for a long time deer and stuff yeah when they talk about like nuclear war and i was just like this is like this is the exact same feeling that i had watching the live action sequences in the Metal Gear Solid series and mm-hmm. I feel like that's what they wanted. So it's Yeah, it's like good. a sort of thing that I almost kind of feel like there were sequences in Dujana that m- was making fun of that sort of thing. Right. This seems like it's paying more of a like, an homage. Direct homage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I think the wine ending is also my favorite because I, it's just more involved to get it. Mm-hmm. Um the, my other favorite is the one where you end up killing the skeleton and giving his head to the... Uh, Which I never got. To the guy in the well. I, it, he gives you, like... It, it's like galaxy or, like, <laughs> like universe. Or it's something like that. It's just, like, this cosmic liquid, I guess, right. in, in the game world, that you in your little bottle. And then you pour that in the water, and it gives you, like, a cool, uh, trippy universe ending thing like a, almost a little bit eldritch yeah yeah it's cool yeah i would almost consider going back to like scoop up the rest of them but i feel like i would end up looking at guides for them and mm-hmm. i don't know how much i really want to do that yeah, i i think this game i think similarly to like the things that this collection of games is paying homage to is like regardless whether or not it was like scary or creepy like i'm sure like anybody who grew up playing games had some that like felt impenetrable to you as a kid and they were always mysterious kind of like um when we talked about rascal on the podcast (laughs) like daniel said it was really hard and he couldn't make much progress through it and it made it mysterious Mm -hmm. and he would always like go back and try and play it and i think this game has that kind of quality where like you don't want to complete this. Like you want to have a few things left undone so that it's like, it remains like, you know, there's some weird shit in that game. If you could go back and find, you kind of want it to stay that way in your memory. I think. Yeah. I think this is a great example of 
when you're trying to recreate the sense of mystery that games used to give you when you were a kid, you have to go pretty far to capture that. And I appreciate that people are trying. We talked about Tamashi last year, um, which I think did a similarly good job of being like, obviously taking from the same inspiration, something that's just totally unfamiliar to you. Trying to go through that just like, very straightforwardly will create that sense of unease and mystery. And, and I appreciate that people are doing it, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Like there's always an extra layer. Like, um, if you haven't played Tamashi, uh, I'm going to spoil the ending a little bit. So skip (laughs) over this. Yes. If you played this game and were like, I like this, then go play Tamashi. Then come back. It's like five bucks. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, once you finish that game, you wake up in the maze at the end, and like that, like hidden extra layer. I think that sort of thing always felt like there was the potential for that in the game, even before you get to the ending. Like you could do something and reveal some kind of extra secret layer. Um, it's like that like Illuminati conspiracy feeling. Like there's like s- something more to this. Right. That like X-Files, whatever you want to call it, that kind of quality um, where you think there's, it f- makes you feel like there is something more. And like that feeling alone, I think is something that can be really powerful in an interactive medium. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's not like in a movie uh, where this is like the most baseline criticism of what video games are in comparison (laughs) to other media but like in a movie if you if you see a movie that's really mysterious and like i appreciate that shit like i like when i watch a movie and don't know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. but you will find out what happens yeah you have to figure shit out when you're playing a game and i think it makes it especially suited to this kind of a thing like you can watch a movie and if you don't engage with it because it's too weird and unusual then you really didn't get much out of it. Whereas with this, if you don't engage, you have to turn it off and then you're not engaging with it in any way. As long as you're trying with this, you're going to find something that isn't what you expect. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, and while we're on this thread, uh, another one of uh, the observations I made while playing it was this game, and I'm sure there are other games on this collection. I kind of want to check them out now yeah. after playing this, but uh, kind of feels like a game out of a creepy pasta. Oh yeah, but for real, like they skipped the writing the creepy pasta part and just made a, a spooky game. <laughs> like, and I don't know if that's like a becoming a thing anymore. Like people trying to create these like. I guess kind of like what we were saying before, like there's something under the surface. Like I know there is a creepypasta style, like ARG type thing called Petscop. Right. That feels like if that was a real game, it would fit right in uh, with this sort of thing. So, yeah, I think I was, I was originally going to disagree with you, which is, uh, but you, but you brought up Petscop, which is an an insanely good example here. Mm -hmm. Petscop is the kind of game or the kind of fake game uh <laughs> it's the kind of thing where there was a scary story and they sort of built everything around it i was thinking like creepypastas tend to be 
something that is innately benign and then they it's been made fucked up mm-hmm. whereas this game is obviously fucked up from its inception yeah uh and but yeah Pescob is a great example so so you're just right <laughs> you're like this is the sort of thing i can imagine like in a creepypasta like someone just bought at a yard sale and took home and it was just this weird ps1 game they played through it and they tried to look up information about it and there wasn't anything right just like where did the game come from and then they go back to their playstation and it's gone and then you know like oh what was this crazy game (laughs) they asked their parents about and they're like yeah whenever you said you were playing that game the tv was just showing static that sort of thing yeah it's exactly what this the headspace this was putting me in <laughs> when thinking about it i was i played this game from between 2 and 4 a.m which i think is the ideal time mm-hmm. to do it uh but i do i want to talk i guess on tone and then we'll get into visuals because that's probably the thing that we most need to talk about oh yeah haven't yet uh-huh uh but we're talking about this in October. We're probably putting this episode out on straight up regular ass Halloween. And uh, this game is not that scary. I don't think scary is the word I would use for it. No, it's just more unsettling. Mm -hmm. I think like it, it's one of those things that kind of gets under your skin. It's kind of more how I would put it. Yeah. It's one of those things where, because the game is an indie game that was made by less than six people, uh, roughly. I don't know exactly how many people worked on this. I know that they, the QA tester credits were twice as long as the staff credits. <laughs> right. Uh, and it was principally made by the one guy. Uh, it seems like everything that exists in the game as an intentional visual thing could also be an actual glitch or like a <laughs> rendering error or something like things that slip through the cracks. And it makes you it makes the authenticity of it way higher than if it was like a high budget game that just dipped to like do something unique with its with its visuals Mm -hmm. the fact like when the nightmare happened it was pretty obvious that it was like a thing but like one of the solutions to the one of the puzzles in this game is to put poison in the ocean so that it kills the seaweed that is otherwise a barrier Mm -hmm. and just being able to walk straight through it i didn't know (laughs) if that was intended or not uh, of course, then you fall into the into the big hole and end up somewhere else. So obviously, it was intentional. Mm-hmm. When I did it, I had no idea if that was just like an accident. It didn't have collision or something, right. and I clipped through it. Like, it's like doing like hearing on the playground like glitches in a Pokemon game, and then going home and being surprised you could actually do them. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah, it kind of captures that old like pre-internet video game feeling of not knowing if you're doing something that you're supposed to or not yeah and and that's like i think that aids in the unsettling feeling because it blurs Mm. the line between the fiction in the game and the reality of this weird game that you're playing Mm -hmm. uh what was the name of that game that we played 
I want to say last year, but it may have actually just been earlier this year because twenty twenty is forever. Yeah, like the one where you you mostly play on the title screen and you just have to solve puzzles. Yeah, is like Calendula. Is that it? It's something like that. I'm not gonna remember. Yeah, I I think that was it. But it it had a similar feeling because also the game was very straightforward. It didn't have like uh, a lot of there weren't characters (laughs) like models in the game Mm -hmm. to fuck with. It was all just like text and. Uh, it played sort of like an escape room. And while this doesn't quite fit the same thing, there's a lot more experimentation here. It it has a similar like eerie feeling of like, is something actually going wrong? Is this an intended part of the game? Probably enhanced by the fact that when we played Calendula, that something actually did go wrong because we were trying to stream it from my PC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the frame rate. Yeah, and there were actual problems. <laughs> uh, really blurring that line to the point where <laughs> there was no line anymore. This episode not brought to you by the Steam link. <laughs> yeah, true that. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 basically what I had on, on tone. I think mm-hmm. it... If the game's goal, which I suspect that it is, was to be unsettling and look weird, it 100% succeeds at that. Yeah, I don't know that I have much more to add, but um, yeah, no, I think just everything that we've said already applies. Like, it's it's unsettling, and there feels like there could be more to it, um, it and it just adds to this, like, mysterious overall tone. Mm-hmm. We, uh, the other thing that adds to the weird overall tone is that it looks pretty much impeccably like a PlayStation 1 game. Yeah. I'm I'm very surprised at how faithfully... And I don't want to parrot uh, the things that were said on Aaron Signal, like, word for word. Mm-hmm. But he mentions that the, the guy who made this game is, like, 19, and therefore didn't really play games during the like he wouldn't have been born when the playstation one released Uh uh-huh so like it is like a totally new like this is somebody who takes inspiration and i want to say that he mentions this in the video but if he doesn't i want it to be known like this is one of the things that's like why preservation is important because like if you could you just couldn't play a ps1 game this game would just never exist Mm -hmm. and that kind of sucks uh but you can and it does and it doesn't suck it's pretty cool uh but yeah it's it's incredibly faithful to the to the the platform mm-hmm. yeah it's it's weird it just another one of those things uh that's making me feel old getting older all the time um but feeling younger in your mind. yeah of course of course copyright strike but um <laughs> um but yeah, we've gotten to that point now, like, with our generation, like, we went back and we would play, like, NES games, and, like, you see this whole flood of retro indie pixel art games on Steam, and we're, like, we're getting to the point now where we have kids, you know, like, 10 or so years younger than us who are now looking back at the things that we grew up with, with like, the mm-hmm. PlayStation 1, the N64, and it just, it's cool to see like that baton being passed you know because like especially like with 
games from that era a lot of like early 3d games don't really hold up so it is cool to see people still like interested in that kind of stuff yeah enough so to like make something like this yeah i think there's like an aesthetic to it uh, like more so than like what the technical okay so it's weird in fashion and in like pop culture people talk about like 30 year trends like where after 30 years whatever happened 30 years ago is going to come back into fashion the nostalgia cycle yeah and what i feel like that exists in games but at a much shorter Mm -hmm. like Like overall like a 10 year cycle yeah and the insane thing about this is like yes this harks back to a game that or to, to games generally that came out over 20 years ago but also like the the fashions that are popular now that were also popular 30 years ago were intended to be fashionable and look good this was intended to be like the best that could be done on the hardware uh-huh. when it was released and then we are now looking back at that and intentionally crafting like a visual aesthetic to match that that today looks like hot trash Uh in like a technical standpoint like it doesn't a dude rendered in ps1 graphics doesn't look like a dude rendered in ps4 graphics Right. right like it's so it's like a very abstract thing to like wrap your head around i think mm-hmm. but it's just that feeling that's so strange to me that like i understand pixel art because pixel art is a a wholly different art style that yes was limited by the hardware but it is also like a tr- it not not a choice necessarily but like like i said it's hard to fucking well describe with pixel art the technology that you can use to like create and render pixel art now create can create like a different more modern look Mm -hmm. and i think that's part of like why that continues to be popular is people what's called like high bit art i know i've brought it up on the cast before but you can do really detailed pixel art now that has its own kind of charm all its own that isn't just like nostalgic and we just talked about minute which like had mm. which has not like 16-bit pixel art but like atari 2600 era pixel art but it's allowed to be more functional because mm-hmm. it's made in a modern game uh yeah th- i think you're right like that because that is there is still technology being advanced in the way that 2d graphics and sprites mm-hmm. can be made to look better and better and do newer things whereas this is like it's just it's taking something that is 30 years old and going this is what i want it to look like yeah and we've talked about other things like this and i know i didn't go on as long (laughs) but it's it's so cool to me to see something just like plucked out of its era and used as the inspiration yeah there's an appeal to it like um i'm like that like more specifically for like the n64 Mm -hmm. um just the way that like things tended to be modeled on there. Like it's fun to find an N64 game that I haven't played before and like boot it up. And like, I spent so much time playing that console. Like I'm able to like go back to it and have like a good time. Like I didn't play Banjo Kazooie for the first time until like six years ago. 
and was able to enjoy it as if I was playing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so if you have like a familiarity and like a connection to this style, it is there. It's just a really appealing thing to have somebody produce something new mm-hmm. in that style. Like it's like a wish fulfillment thing. Yeah. Um, but the specific visuals in this game are, I, I was going to say very odd or something similar but actually a lot of it is surprisingly mundane which i think is the strength like there's a lot of stuff in this game that is just normal Mm -hmm. and then presented in an abnormal way or occasionally interspersed something really horrible though i think my favorite example has got to be the skeleton in the basement who just has really long legs yep just weirdly long limbs it's a very strange yeah i do love it though yeah, like there's like a abstracted like video game enus to it where like that cabin just has like a entryway and then stairs that lead to a basement. Yep. Uh but you don't really think about that while you play that much. So yeah, it has like that kind of quality like throughout it. Like um with the cat or whatever it is, the beast. Yeah. Um whatever you get you give him a fish like you feed him and then he gives you oil and like the pot of oil just like comes out of a bush i love that it doesn't appear it does like slide like it it spawns elsewhere and then comes out from the background it's Mm -hmm. a nice touch and then like the fishing pole like the it just like the animation of like the line coming out is just like an instantly there it's like it's a stiff line and not like a string right like a like the actual fishing line genuinely impressed by the fishing rod like when i when i saw it like i was like this works in a way that i didn't expect it to Mm -hmm. and also perfectly like the way that it looks is just it's wacky and silly but also is very good in like a a lo-fi appreciation way. Mm-hmm. I like the snappiness of it. Yeah, the, the like the animation. It's the sound effect. I think is doing most of the work. Yeah, because that that's immediately what I thought of when I when I thought of the fishing pole was the how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I also like how when you like pour things into the water, like you can clearly see how it's just like the textures being repeated. Yeah, there's like a cool aesthetic to that yeah it gives it a really cool look i mean it, it has a really intended ps1 look mm-hmm. especially when you use it in really large bodies of water but i think that like i feel like it came from the initial pouring it into the the birch water yeah like the place where you actually go to get the endings because a lot of the tracks end up looking very very like it looks like an album cover half yeah. of the time when you do it uh, with like the the plant growth being my personal favorite because it's like that green blue repeating mm-hmm. uh, like it, it just looks very cool. I'm a big fan. Uh, also, that ending was pretty rad as well. <laughs> but yeah, I like that. I like that you can just like pour any liquid into uh, a body of water and it just turns the entire thing into it mm-hmm. uh, which can give like some really nightmarish landscapes <laughs> i poured wine into one of the the bodies of water and it was just like this fucking blood red yeah. all, all across it was great I, mm-hmm. I do really like that 
Yeah, and then like you already mentioned it, but um, when you're in like the nightmare world, uh, and it just like changes the sky box to be like whatever you're looking at. I think is yeah. what it does, and it can be like really hard to navigate like you kind of just have to find like a piece of geometry and like like a line that stays consistent to follow uh so yeah there is some like good use of like the uh, like the um lsd dream emulator inspiration and like the i don't know yeah that was that was the thing that most made me like connect it to lsd mm. dream emulator because i think they do a similar thing with like the japanese text in the sky mm-hmm. that it just goes away eventually if you look at enough stuff yeah that mm-hmm. that was the thing that made me draw the conclusion also the weird floating skeleton guy looks like he's from accounting plus to me oh yeah a hundred percent yeah um and also like the the monster at the beginning that comes down the hallway oh gives yeah you the vials that was by far the most inspired design, I think. Like, it's the one that they were... B- probably someone modeled that. Potentially just this guy. Mm-hmm. It, I think... Unless I'm misremembering, I feel like it was just a sprite. Because it only it just comes at you. That's true, and then it goes back. It mm-hmm. has, like, the, the slightly like slightly animated mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, and it comes forward, and then... I tested, it just vanishes when the entire thing is off screen, like it just calls it immediately. Mm-hmm. So like I like walked backwards away from it as I was going down the stairs and like would come back up and be like, oh, okay, he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good effect and I, I liked mm-hmm. it. Yeah, like having to stand there and wait before he starts coming towards you is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and I, and I, that was a fun moment right off the bat is like you have to open your inventory and find the letter, and then it, it gives you the hint to, to do that. Right. I, I just thought that was cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the the whole opening presentation, I think, is super good, because mm-hmm. you don't know what to do immediately. The door is locked, so you have to, like, figure it out. You try, like, your... Because there's a use key and an interact key, mm-hmm. which is a great obfuscation, because you think, like, oh... Maybe they do the same thing, but, like, use is for the item that you're holding and interact is for items in the environment. And also interact weirdly is what progresses dialogue. So you have this, like, confusion moment in a really confined space so that you're not, like, worried about it necessarily. Mm -hmm. And you can sort of, like, experiment and figure out what to do. Yeah, and then him coming down the fucking hallway. Yeah, that's probably like the one moment of this that is scary. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it's pretty effective. But um, another thing, how how long did it take you to find the beach area? Because in order to get to it, you have to like go up this little hill that it doesn't look like you'd be able to walk up. Yeah, and then the entrance to it is just you have to walk into a bush, basically. <laughs> like it it is just like a completely hidden path. Yeah, I I found it on my fourth playthrough, I think, (laughs) and it was, like, on total accident, Mm -hmm. um, because I had gone... Oh, because I was trying to kill the skeleton. I wanted to kill the skeleton guy. Right. And I was like, I haven't found anything anywhere that would do it, Mm because I tried everything on everything. Uh, I did my adventure game shit. And I was like, how do I kill the skeleton? 
and I was just wandering around and trying to force myself into locations that I don't <laughs> think I was supposed to go and ended up on top of that thing. Nice. So yeah, I did I did eventually find it. I think my initial thought was that I could go behind where the beast was mm-hmm. uh, and could not, and then just somehow ended up stumbling across it. Mm-hmm. I had a similar experience, okay. but uh, <laughs> I just thought that was weird. Like, it fits in this kind of like experimental uh game that just like it's just not at all telegraphed that there's a path there yeah the kind of thing like if it was in an actual game would be terrible but <laughs> works here because of the kind of game it is yeah because it's not like because nothing in this game is technically speaking critical path right like in order to finish the game you have to leave get some liquid and put it back in the other liquid and then you see the credits uh but yeah like to get all the endings to get some of the more interesting ones you do have to go there mm-hmm. i just thought that was worth mentioning did you find the like neighborhood neighborhood I- i'm gonna probably know since it's not ringing any bells yeah if you go into the ocean and fall down a big hole where you end up is like this road just a street oh, okay. and there are houses on it you can go into one of the houses and it has uh you which is a kid sitting in front of a television with a camera object indicator mm-hmm. like from fucking unity stuck on on his head uh and you can kill him and get your blood which is one of the endings interesting but the reason i wanted to bring it up is actually because you have a mom uh who looks straight out of Doom Patrol, uh, the comic, not the show. Uh, well, kind of both. But, <laughs> uh, and has, like, her face changes all the time. Mm-hmm. But the thing that stuck out to me was that there was just a radio program playing that seemed like a full, regular radio program that was just they put the audio into the game and it was super weird i mean it's always possible that it was oh like, yeah i I'm think sure it just you, was you can find that like there's no legal uh like copyright yeah yeah I mean, copyright it's, it's laws old, that would prevent yeah. you from uh using it but yeah, that was that was the one other thing no, yeah. I wanted to mention. With the, I could never like find a way to like go out into the ocean without it just immediately respawning me on the beach. The submarine, right? I went in the submarine. Well, that goes to the bottom of the ocean, right? Oh, there was just a hole there you could fall down. That's where you had to kill the seaweed. Right, with I got the, the key uh-huh. from the inside of the church. That was the only thing I ever did. Yeah, because you got the the faith ending, right? I did not fall down any holes. Yeah. There's a whole, you have to, there's a guy on the beach who tells you not to put shit in the ocean. And when he told me that, I was like, well, obviously I have to put some shit in the ocean. Right. And, uh, I, I put the poison in the ocean because that's just what I had on me at the time. Right. Uh, and that kills the, because I'd been to the ocean before. Uh, Yeah. And there's a wall of seaweed. And Mm. if you walk up against it, it has collision. But if you poison the ocean, it kills the seaweed. You can walk through it, and that's okay. how you get there. Interesting. Yeah, it's super. That one is like probably. I mean, I'd never figured out the fish thing, right? So I guess there's like there's some given give and take. 
I don't know which is the most obtuse to finish, <laughs> but that one to me, that was the most obtuse one that I figured out. So fair enough. Uh, one weird observation I wanted to bring up was I feel like this also feels like it has a little bit of Undertale inspiration because I think the song that plays, like there's just one theme for the most part that plays kind of reminds me of the song that plays in Toriel's house. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a little bit. <laughs> and um, also the sound effect, I think it's in the menu. Like when you change items, it sounds like it, the one of the sounds that he uses for voices in Undertale, like if you um, took it and you scrambled it up and it was like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, I know the one that you're yeah, talking like about. that sound of it sounded like the same sound effect to me. The, I think they may have drawn from the same sound library. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he credits the sound library in the credits, and I remember being like listening through to the sounds, and like there are certain things that just sound really familiar, the like, oh, sound when you yeah. pick shit up, like. Lots of these things are, are one. I think it it's part of the aesthetic, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They made it to make you go. Did I play a game that had that same sound effect yeah, in I mean, it, which it, is weird and kind of what it's going. It for, probably is a a sound library that has PlayStation One like sound effects. Yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because uh, that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Do do we Fatum have thoughts? The fa- yeah, fatum thoughts, fateful thoughts. Yeah, fateful thoughts. There you go. Um, I I like this. Um, it's kind of I feel like it's kind of hard not to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like an old like charm to it. Like if 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 you are aware of like the concept of this, like it was like a PS one haunted game demos disc that this game came from um i think it would be hard to play it and not enjoy it if you went in with that context but um but i on the other hand though i didn't know anything about what you did in this game and i found like the kind of scope of it to be like a little bit disappointing it was like a little bit more narrow like when I first started playing, like I said, I found, like, the skeleton in the basement and the guy in the well. And, like, it all seemed really, like, interesting and, like, you know, like, the possibility space. Like, I didn't know what it was yet. And it ended up being a little bit disappointing to find out that all you did was just pour liquid into <laughs> some water. But uh, I quickly got over that. Um, and don't want to hold it against the game or anything because it is a super cool uh unique haunted game demo but uh so yeah i like this a lot um and i i I like that quality as we brought up earlier on that it it does feel like a creepypasta game or so i think it captures what it was like this compilation is trying to capture really well and it's made me really curious to go look at all the other games in the collection. So uh, that that's going to wrap up my uh, <laughs> all over the place uh, f- fateful thoughts. Yes. Um, I don't necessarily know that mine are going to be much more comprehensive. <laughs> uh, it's hard on this one. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the, the key takeaway with this is... If you 
if I was going to say if you know what you're getting into, but actually even better if you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a really interesting sort of like experimental type game where it's trying to draw inspiration from a lot of things that either are sort of like cult hits, things that don't make a whole lot of sense and are never intended to. And also just like, uh, how do I describe this? It has a sense of humor to it that feels very modern that would never have fit in the games that it's trying to emulate. So this is a game out of time in multiple different ways. It is a, it's a game that feels visually right at home on the PlayStation one due to a lot of like care that went into making this as faithful a recreation of that style of graphic as possible, but also something that is distinctly modern in its sense of humor, in the way that it's presented and like, even as like a throwback type game, you can tell from the everybody is now skeletons ending (laughs) that it really is just like a silly game at heart. And uh, I really like it. I, I think this is a, a well worth the like two hours that I spent with it, uh, just fucking around and, and doing things. Because you get caught up. You end up in that situation in good puzzle games where you go, oh, I can do this. What does that mean for X and Y and Z that I've seen before? Uh, so I think the design is solid in a really simple way. And I think that alone makes it worth it. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Firewatch, uh, which is the first game and as of right now only game by Campo Santo since they were purchased by Valve. Uh, we really have no excuse for having not talked about this earlier because yeah. we were doing the podcast when it came out. Yeah, I mean, we've brought it up many a time and yeah. it just put it off for Mm -hmm. a a myriad of reasons but we're coming out of halloween and i feel like it has sort of a cozy autumnal feeling Mm -hmm. i was gonna say it has like a fall kind of feeling but i think it takes place in the summer yeah it definitely (laughs) does it's just the it's very orange maybe i associate like hiking in the woods with fall yeah uh but yeah so that's what we're gonna about next it's like a walking sim uh as a but it's very like narrative choice focused Mm -hmm. uh and i'm interested to play it again so Mm -hmm. yeah i'm very interested to talk about this one yeah uh until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com there you can find links to our youtube to our discord to our twitter our email and uh, all of our old episodes, uh, like Tamashi, which we did mention on this, mm-hmm. is probably the closest thing that we have to it. Yeah, or like, uh, if you like the creepypasta comparison, we talked about Pokemon Creepy Black. Yeah, which is not like this game mechanically, but tonally shares something with mm-hmm. it, for sure. Uh yeah, and, and like I've been doing with all of the other episodes, I'll probably just have a link to the... Uh, the playlist of horror games in the end card, which should be coming up pretty soon because <laughs> it's at the last 20 seconds of the video. Yep. This is a very meta ending. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, if you scrolled down 
to hit that like button and smash that subscribe button <laughs> and ring that bell. Then you're going to want to scroll back up now because you only have probably about 10 to 15 seconds left <laughs> until the video ends and the card disappears. So you want to scroll on up there and click on that playlist. Check it out. Goodbye. <laughs> Pour some beast blood <laughs> on the subscribe button. Also, what are we talking about next time? I don't know. <laughs>